Amen. So let's turn our Bibles today to Matthew 9.14. We're going to talk about a lost subject. It's a subject of fasting. We started last week. What is fasting? We talked about what it is. It is a purposeful abstaining from food and water, water no longer than three days, found in Esther, the fourth chapter. And then we find out that fast can be declared by pastors, by leaders, or led by God, or you can select to do a fast in order to receive something from God. Now, fasting is an abstaining from food and water and personal pleasure according to 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, verse 1 and 2, where men and women are commanded to abstain from sexual relationships while they are fasting and praying, and then they come together afterward, lest Satan should get an advantage on them. So we're going to talk about fasting. Remember that fasting is a pre-designed act of faith. Pre-designed act of faith. Let's liken it to how we get saved. How do we get saved? We don't get saved by repenting of sins. Now I know that that throws traditional people totally out of the water. But we don't get saved by that. We get saved by declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. And out of that declaration, we turn from a previous life and enter into a Christ-led life. The Bible says it's a foreign thing to think that the Bible is right and religion is wrong. The Bible said that if you will believe in your heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead and thou shalt confess him with thy mouth, thou shalt be what? Saved. Repentance is granted certainly to the believer but not to the sinner. The sinner does not have to repent. His life is a life of sin. He can't remember all of them, but what he can do is acknowledge a new ruler in his life, turn, denounce the old ruler, and follow Christ Jesus as his personal Savior. So let's just say that the Bible is true and man is wrong. So you can get saved the way that God said for you to get saved. Amen? That is a predetermined act of faith. It never fails, and neither does fasting. When you do the act of fasting by faith, that simply means that you believe something has happened even though you see no change, then it will be done for you of your heavenly Father which is in heaven. And so fasting is a predesigned act of faith. Just like seed sowing is a predesigned act of faith for increase. God gives seed to the sower, multiplies the seed that is sown. That's pretty simple. That's the only way that the seed gets increased is that it's sown. Could it? Yes. Amen. All right. Let's go to Matthew 9 and verse 14. And it says these words. They came to him, the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? 
And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Now notice those that are in the bride chamber, the waiting court, that is the bride. And then those that mourn when the bridegroom is with them. Who is the bridegroom? Somebody, Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. The church is his bride. Now the bridegroom is gone. He ascends in Acts 1, 6, and the angel says, He ascended and so shall he come in like manner. But the day will come when the bridegroom shall be taken that's when Jesus ascends into heaven, is taken from them, then they shall, they shall, they shall, what's it say? So the moment that Jesus ascends into the heavens, it sets into motion a time frame that the bride is supposed to be involved in fasting. You know that fasting is a testimonial of our service to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, 9, Paul says, Look, I declare myself to be the minister of the Lord in much affliction, much trials, tribulations, uh, prayer, and struggles. But then he says, and fastings often. Fastings often. In other words, Christians should have a basic pattern in life of fasting. Oh, I, didn't, I don't want to hear this. Well, that's tough. Truth will set you free. And religion will make you not good. Now, let's go to Matthew, the uh, 11th chapter and verse 12. Now, the reason that Jesus gives us this act of faith is because when Jesus ascends, he sets in motion 50 days later the birth of the church. That is the day of Pentecost, when God pours out his spirit. And when he pours out his spirit, the church is born. We are born of his spirit. We are then receive the spirit of the son, sonship, or the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. But in that it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, until now, Jesus is setting a time frame. The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violence taketh by force. What is fasting? Fasting is a violent act of faith. It is an act of faith where men surrender their all and commit it all to the faithfulness of God. It's where men, as it were, fall upon the rock and are remade by the potter. Now, so we're going to talk about fasting today. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Good. All right. So we see that fasting is something that we are to do. Nobody say it's not an option. It's not an option, folks. It's just been neglected because people don't like to deny their flesh. But when we start operating in fasting, we will begin to discover things in our life. Now, Jesus told us, these signs shall follow them that believe. What will they do? 
In my name they shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Well, that kind of doesn't matter. God believes in it. And then he says they will speak with new tongues. They shall cast out devils. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall cast out devils. Now, let me ask you a question. The Bible says, Acts 10, 38, that Jesus came, came anointed of God, with power and with the Holy Ghost. When was Jesus anointed? When? No, no, not at the baptism. When he came. Jesus never came at the water baptism of John, did he? No, he came anointed with power, divine authority of influence and right and the Holy Ghost. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Now, this is what I want you to realize. You as a believer have great authority and great power. You've been given that you have been engrafted into a kingdom of power. But then let's take the mask off and let's look at our life. How many of us have ever seen a devil come out? Okay, very few of us. How many of us have seen the works of Jesus in the fullness? Very few of us. See, Jesus had power. He had authority. He had influence. He had a right to take back mankind out from under demonic rule. And that's what we do when we lay hands on the sick. You take them back out from under the rule of sickness and disease. You take them back out from under the rule of the plan of the devil. Sickness and disease is not normal, and it certainly is not of God. Amen? And then we realize that Jesus had that power. We've been given that power, but we see almost nothing. Why is that? Well, let's go to Luke 4.1. Let's have that on the screen, Luke 4.1. Let's look at Jesus' life and why he is doing what he's doing. Luke 4.1. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did what? Eat nothing. We know that Jesus is on a 40-day fast of food only, not of water, but of food only. And it says that when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Next verse. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that they be made bread. And the next word, Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now let's jump down to Luke 4 and verse 13. So Jesus is led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. Now do you think he's led there just to experience hunger? 
Or is there a divine purpose of separating himself for 40 days from food? I think there's a purpose. Amen? Luke 4, 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus had entered into the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Did Jesus go into the wilderness with the Holy Ghost? Yes. Did he go in in the power of the Holy Ghost? not if he returned in the power. So evidently he went in without something and came out with something. All right. And then it says, and there went out a fame of him. You know Jesus never did one miracle until after the 40-day fast in the wilderness and returning in the power of of the spirit of his father. And then it says this, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. Next verse. And he taught in the synagogues being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, amazing, Jesus was a churchgoer. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Not only did he go into churches, he was active in them. Now, next verse. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, set at liberty of those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the Spirit of the Lord came up on Jesus so that he could do certain works. Did he do those works when he got filled with the Holy Ghost at the River Jordan? Or did he begin to do those works when he returned from the fast? returning from the fast. See, we can receive the Holy Ghost, but never live in the power thereof. Now, let's go to Luke 4.31, and we're going to read through 37. 4.31. This is all in the life of Jesus. And it says, And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with what? Power. Remember, before Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost and returned in the power of the Holy Ghost, his words were with wisdom and grace at the age of 12. Now his words are filled with what? Power. Next verse. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What do we have to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. 
had Jesus ever been called that before he returned in the power of the Holy Ghost? Never. Now, next verse. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, come out of him. When the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power commandeth the, uh, he the unclean spirits, and they came out. Next verse. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. When did all this happen? When Jesus went into the wilderness or when he came out of the wilderness? What did he go in the wilderness to do? To fast and to be tempted of the devil, basically against God's faithfulness. Now, Jesus comes out with the power of the Holy Ghost. So what I want, to, want you to realize is this. You can have power and you can have authority. But fasting, by Jesus' example, not by some conjuring up of, of words or twisting of Scripture, by Jesus' example, we see that you can be anointed for something, but it not be released except by acts of faith and the act of faith that releases active, productive authority and power is fasting. This may be why the church has no power. Amen? It may be why we talk a talk, but we don't walk a walk. It may be why we don't even want to pray for the sick. Maybe why we don't try to deal with devils is because really the church has been given power and authority. Jesus said, the way that you sent me, Father, I send them. I send them as lambs equipped by God into the midst of wolves. God, as you sent me, I send them. The glory that you gave me, I give to them. So the church has been sent forth with the power of the Holy Ghost and the power, the influence, the right, and the ability to take back people that are bound by the kingdom of darkness. But we always put it off on, well, if you had more faith, you had more faith. Well, there are certain things that just faith is not going to do, it's going to take an act of violence to release the forces of authority and power. You understand it? When, when somebody fasts, it simply ignites a passion that usually is never released on the behalf of believers. The Bible said this, covet earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. Covet earnestly. Covet earnestly. How did Jesus covet the activation of the gifts and the activation of power? Fasting. Did he just confess 
I'm Jesus, I have power, I have authority over the devil. Is that what Jesus did? No. Why does the church do that? Because they listen to men instead of simply read the Bible. Look, Jesus is your example. Be you followers of him. Amen? So, what do we see Jesus doing to activate God-given power or God-given anointing? We see a fast. Somebody say a fast. Okay, fasting are also one of the great places that your words become empowered by God. Remember, what is this? The words that he speaks are with power. If you want to have a powerful confession, you don't just mimic what somebody wrote in the book. Now, you do take what God places in your mouth and you speak it. But you also kind of put faith on steroids when you fast. Fasting does things for us that nothing else will. Could have get an amen. And let's go to Galatians 5.16. This talks about the reason why the church cannot do what it desires to do. And it says in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do that which you would. Now, notice what it said. The spirit is fighting the flesh. The flesh is fighting the spirit. Therefore, you can't do what God wants you to do. Who wins in that fight? Who wins in that fight? The flesh. The flesh is far superior to your desire and your want. Understand that you cannot control the flesh just because you don't want to do it. If that was the case, much of the world would be free of sin. People do things even though they hate doing them. Paul said, why is it I, when I want to do good, evil is present, and I end up doing what I don't want to do? Because the flesh is stronger than the will or the resolve of man. Well, I'm just going to quit then. I'm not going to do that anymore said the liar, because you're going to do it again. You cannot deal with the lust of the flesh on your own. But there is an act of faith that will cause you to humble the flesh to the point that it loses its expressive nature in your life and the Holy Ghost can rule you. Now, let's go back to that scripture. And it says, there you go, you cannot do the things that you would. You want to follow the Holy Ghost. Let's go to the next verse. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immunizations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings of such of like, of which I tell you before, and it says, look, and such like, within the law that he just mentioned that comes out from the lust of the flesh, there are 250 recognizable sinful natures of man. Now that's not talking about the outbreaks, like fornication. If you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed it in your heart. So you've got to realize in such like, anything that is related to any of those things are sin. And it says, I also told you in the past that they, do, they that do such things are still going to go to heaven. Oh, that must have been the new version of whatever. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, you don't get in. Oh, but I, I'm saved by grace. You don't get in. But, but I, you don't get in. The same guy that preached grace is the same guy that said this. Now, let's go to the next verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, long-suffering, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So there is no dominance of sin. There is no resistance to the will of God being fulfilled in your life. Now, how do you overcome such works of the flesh? By fasting. David said, I humbled myself with fasting. In other words, fasting brings the physical man to its lowest common denominator, a vessel of God. The lowest common denominator of the flesh is really brought about by the denial of its needs. Could again get an amen. Why did Jesus go out there, fast 40 days, and totally trust in God, and then returns, not recognized as Joseph's and Mary's son, but now who is this man? And the devil says, hey, we know who thou art. There's been a transformation of what governed Jesus one time and what now is governing Jesus in a second time. So fasting will lower or bring the state of the voices of your flesh to its lowest common denominator through fasting. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 10, that every voice in the world has or is with significance, or in other words, every voice has a threshold waiting to let something become alive. Every word does, every act, every voice. So if you want to shut those doors that no man can shut, 
and allow doors to be opened that no man could open, then all you have to do is shut the door to the volume of the flesh. All you got to do is just keep it quiet. Do you know that, well, let's go to Acts 13. We'll just jump into here. Acts 13. And let's look at uh, verse 1. Okay, now there were in the church that was at Antioch prophets and teachers. And it goes on, and they ministered unto the Lord and did what? Somebody say fasted. Come on, somebody say they fasted. Say they fasted. Why would prophets and teachers, men already anointed, appointed, chosen by God, fast and minister unto the Lord? Why wouldn't they just minister unto the Lord? Why wouldn't they just say, God, why don't you, what, what do you want us to do with Paul and Silas here? What, what do you want us to do with Paul and Barnabas? What, what, what do you want us to do, God? They've been here for a while. You know, God revealed to us, why didn't they do that? I think that they may have counted what they did so holy and sacred that they would deny any activation or voices of self to come in. So, they begin to fast. Now, remember that Paul was called of God, Galatians 1, 15, 16, 17, at an appointed God, at an appointed time, God brought forth Paul out of his mother's womb and called him, chose him, set him, appointed him as an apostle to the Gentiles, number one. Number two, Ananias in Acts, the ninth chapter, goes in and God says, look, He's a chosen vessel. Go in, lay your hands on him. Sight is going to come to his eyes, and he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul, again, is verified that he's chosen of God the third, the second time. But now he gets to hear from the presbytery or offices that are already established. I know some of you are saying, I came here for a feel-good, get-rich message. Well, you, you know what? There's more to Jesus than bless me. You need to understand the workings of the kingdom or you're going to be as useless as a fifth leg on a four-legged racehorse. We, we need to know how the kingdom works. Amen. All right. And then it says uh, in verse, it says they ministered and fasted, and the Holy Ghost, somebody say the Holy Ghost, said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted more and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. They sent them away, sent them forth by the Holy Ghost and departed unto Cilicia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now here we can understand that when we fast, we bring the flesh to its lowest common denominators, voices become lowered, and we can hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. And we can hear it clearly and decisively. 
Fasting brings us to a place of intimacy with God when the senses are brought to their lowest existence, sustaining for the use of God. The body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, not the playground of the devil, not the playground of what we want to do, but we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, when we bring the voices down to its lowest common denominator, we enter into a place of intimacy. We begin to experience the secrets of the kingdom. Remember that there are treasures laid in heaven where rust and uh, moss and thieves cannot break through and steal. There are secrets about your future. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, that when a man prays in the Holy Ghost, one of the ways that he prays in the Holy Ghost is that he prays the secret things or the mysteries of the kingdom of God. These mysteries then are released or revealed to men and women that have entered into a place of intimacy with God. If God can't trust you with faithful mammon for you to be faithful in natural things, how could he trust you with the spiritual things? This is one of the reasons why people experience very little from God because they are so unfaithful in just the natural followings of Christ. They never deal with the works of the flesh. They never allow the Holy Ghost to gain the supremacy over their body so that God can do what he wants to do in their life. And they never enter into the intimate places of God that they can be trusted with the treasures of heaven. Jesus said, come on up here. I want to speak to you men. I want to speak to everybody else in parables. But to you, my friends, I will not speak in parables, but I will speak in truth. So fasting, say, oh my God, I don't know if I want to give up food said the voice of the flesh. You aren't going to die. In fact, if you lose your life, you'll find it. In other words, you'll leave the things that you are existing to be involved in behind, and you'll lay hold of those things that have destiny and purpose wrapped around them. That's what you'll do. And so fasting silences, I'm sorry, I hope, don't, I'm not trying to preach over your head, I'm just, I'm just telling you these things, these are about 25 years of fasting that I've discovered secrets about fasting that can change your life. And, and so, when we enter into these intimate things, it's like coming in and allowing Jesus to sup with us and then him unveiling to us, as he did with the disciples, that which God has declared about him at the cross. See, God will reveal to your destiny when you're capable 
of protecting what he puts in your hands. Most people are not entrusted with the secrets of their future because they are not spiritually capable of protecting them. Fasting brings us to a place that the flesh stops dominating us. The Holy Ghost has been given his rightful place and the purposes of God then can be fulfilled. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. So we started this by saying, and let me reiterate, you've been given power and authority. But it takes an act of faith to activate it. See, salvation is free to all mankind. It's already appeared unto men, Titus, the second chapter. It has appeared unto all men. It is available to all men, whosoever will. But it is only received by those that do confess that Jesus is Lord of their life. Amen? Is that true? Absolutely. So you can have something, but if you don't put faith in it the way that God has shown you, you will not have access to its benefits. So if Jesus did it by fasting, why are we trying to do it in another way? Well, I'm not trying to. I just don't want to have that stuff. Listen, these signs will follow those that believe. So how deep does our unbelief go? No, we need to believe God. Not just for the blessing, not just for the good things, not just for the good fruit, not just for the riches, the wealth, the blessing, the protection, the salvation, the freedom from hell, but how about believing him that we can be examples of Christ as Paul was? We can do this. Hallelujah. All right. Now let's go to, hmm, let's go to uh, Mark, the ninth chapter, and we'll read from verse 14 through 19. I know it's a long passage of Scripture, but it will do us good to read it all. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked his scribes, What question ye with them? One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, not an epileptic spirit, a dumb spirit. And it says this, And whithersoever he, the devil, that spirit, taketh him, he teareth him, he foameth, gnasheth with his teeth, he pineth away. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not do it. And he answered, him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. There you go. And they brought unto him, they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit. Somebody say, This is not natural. This is a spirit. Sickness is a spirit. And then it says this, 
and the spirit straightway tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, hey, how long ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I command thee to come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was one as dead, insomuch that many said, Uh-oh, man, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples, here is the secret things about fasting that God reveals to intimate friends. He asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Now, when we look at that, we understand that Jesus said to them that this kind comes out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Next verse. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. Now, in one portion of Scripture it says, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting, but Jesus says, because of your unbelief. Anybody know what unbelief is? Now, the first thing is going to be the lack of faith, which is not true at all. Not true at all. There are people that don't believe in 1 Corinthians 14th chapter that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but they are believers. They're ignorant. Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant. So unbelief is the inability to believe or to release faith in a given area. That's why people can have faith to be saved, yet they don't seem to be able to have faith to get healed or faith to be blessed. And the reason is, is a, not that they don't have faith. Now, remember what faith does. The Bible says, 1 John 5, 4, and 5, that whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world and everything that's in it, even our faith. Faith can apprehend every promise by faith and patience, Hebrews 6, 12. There's nothing wrong with faith. There's nothing wrong with the dimension of faith and the measure of faith that you have. It got you saved, broke you free from the kingdom of darkness, broke you free from the devil's grip, broke you free from death, raised you up to life, seated you in heavenly places, and transformed your life from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The devil couldn't stop it, and God responded to it. There's nothing wrong with your faith. 
The problem is, is that we have areas that our mind are, is not able to comprehend or believe the things that are possible to faith. So the man cries out and said, help thou my unbelief. So evidently, unbelief can be helped to get beyond. Right? And if Jesus told the disciples, you couldn't cast this out because of your unbelief, then unbelief would have to be dealt with in order for them to rise to the level of dealing with devils of this level or power. Amen? All right. I know this sounds so deep, and it's not. It's just basic stuff. It really is just basic stuff. It's called fasting. But just because we never hear it, we have no idea of what to do with it. And you'll never have fasting in your life until you hear it and understand it because faith does come by hearing. You'll get faith in fasting and you'll start doing it. And you'll start getting victories that you've never ever had in your life. Now, Jesus tells them this kind comes out you couldn't do it because of your unbelief, but this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. In other words, we have to address, God, I want this thing of unbelief broken. I want my faith to flourish in this area. And then you start dealing with these barriers of unbelief. How do you deal with them? Not just by increasing your faith, but by destroying the roots of those things that dominate your faith in those areas. You do it by fasting. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So we see that we can have faith. We can have power given to us by Jesus. It can consist in his name, but if we don't release or give access to that power, in that name, in the commission that he tells us that these signs will follow them that believe, if we don't access it by the act of faith that God determined, we will never have it in our life. Listen, I, I have... Uh, is Andrew back there? Who's back there? Throw in that uh, tape that you're going to do after service about PDM. Throw it in there. Quickly, throw it up there, Andrew. Now I'm going to show you something.
Now this girl came to this crusade blind, deaf, and crippled. Now you see her walking for the very first time in her life. Now this, this boy there was born deaf and dumb. Now stop the tape. Thank you, guys. Now, you've seen a man blind for 15 years. Now sees... Now, do you think I just stand up there and hallelujah, praise God, Peter Dosex has arrived, Jesus. Is that what you think? Well, I'll tell you, for almost 12 years, I was as powerless as 90% of the churches today. Never seen a blind eye, never seen anything happen, never seen the dead raised, never seen cripples walk, never seen anything. I was a typical Christian that had power that had none. I tried to believe for miracles. They just never would happen. But I made a decision that I was not going to live without Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. And I began fasting, praying every morning from 5.30 to 11 o'clock every day, I did that for 18 months until Jesus come walking through a wall and spoke to me. Oh, Jesus, don't do that. I'm glad you weren't in the room. But he did in my office, and he did through my bookshelf, and he put a crown on my head, a robe on my back, and a ring on my finger. And he said, from this day forth, I'm positioning you in the realm of miracles. My first crusade in the uh, Philippines, he told me, we can do this any place in the world. Eric has been traveling with me almost 17 years, and not one time has God ever failed to do and to demonstrate the signs and wonders and the works of Jesus Christ. That never would have happened in the old man that did not fast and in the old man that did not seek God. But I fasted, and in breaking those things, those barriers, in bringing my physical body to a lowest common denominator for his service, doing that, then the power of the Holy Ghost is allowed to do what he wants to do. Devils come out. We've had them come with chains, people bound by chains. They take the chains off and their sons and daughters are brought back to their own mind. You remember, Randy, we were uh, in, a, and Mark was there too, I think, in the uh, Nakuru, thank you, and they had an a uprising. They were killing people, were killing people, had thousands of people killed, and uh, we went there and they told us not to go there. We went there. And uh, the, vice, the president, the ex-president, had 8,000 people down the road. We had 100,000 people on the crusade ground. Amen. If you remember, that was when Lincoln had his first blind eye open. Seven-year-old kid opened a blind eye. Yet somebody being saved for 40 years can't. Now, that, that's a problem. Amen? Amen? And I think that's when you guys laid hands on him, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
and come fasting time, he'll be on this fast that we're starting with pastors because he fasts. So did his brother, uh, Quentin, and sometimes his sister, and sometimes his daddy even enters in, and his mother. But they fast because they know they're going to be miracle people. I'm not letting them be ordinary people. They're not just going to be a pew-warming Christian. They're not going to do it. I'm not giving creditation to a generation like that. They're going to be miracle workers. You ask them, what are you going to be? They're going to be, well, we're going to work miracles. Hallelujah. You're absolutely right. I come up out of the grave and choke them within into their life, and, which I won't. But you remember that little boy they brought? I don't know what. I don't know how old he was, seven, eight, nine. I don't know. One day his mother said he's normal. And all of a sudden she said something fell on him. His eyes went back up into his head. You couldn't see his eyes. He could not speak, and he had to have help walking. And so Philip brought him up to me, and I cast the devil out of him. I said, now bring him back tomorrow. He'll be fine. He took about five or six steps and turned, and he looked up to his mom and said, Mommy, his eyes fell back down to his head, and he was able to speak, able to walk, and recognize his mother and picked up his life from that moment on. Now, listen, that can happen in any of your lives, any of your lives, any of your lives. Randy, you go over and have crusades in other countries, all right? Do you see miracles over there? Yes, sir. You mean God actually uses you? Yes. <laughs> I'm amazed, too. I, I, it's a far step from my faith, too. But God uses you. Yes, sir. Miracles happen. Yes. Thousands get saved. We're getting there. Yeah, you're getting there, right? You got to walk before you. Now, so that happens. Now, why does it happen? Do you fast? Yes. You do. Not as much as Well, how do you get that big? And you fasting. Is that just bloating or what? Yeah, no, I'm kidding you. <laughs> kidding you, Randy. Look, I'd like to give you a shortcut. There are no shortcuts. You want to walk in the spirit instead of just living there? You want to be a demonstrator of the spirit and its kingdom and Jesus in your life? If you want to be more than the typical name brand Christian, do you really want to be the Jesuses of this world? Do you really want to demonstrate that he is alive? Do you really want to demonstrate that the devil is defeated? Do you really want to demonstrate there's power in his name? Then you're going to have to become aggressively violent against everything that opposes that. And it won't hurt none of us to lose weight. And you probably won't lose any weight fasting anyway. Though when I went through that period of time... I was 45 pounds lighter than I am right now. It didn't matter. I was not going to live a life without power and without demonstration. Now, you can come out of where you're going to go in through fasting in the power of the Holy Ghost. You can come out and step into the fulfillment of who God said you were. The choice is up to you. The Bible says that God uses foolish things to confound the wise. Fasting seems foolish. 
Get power by fasting? Foolish. You mean live above the control of the flesh by fasting? Ah, oh, come on. Foolish. You mean that I could do everything that God wants me to do, no matter what it was, if I would just get rid of myself and the doorways of the devil and his control in my life through fasting? Yeah. God said this, this is a fast that I have appointed, Isaiah 58, 6, that you break every heavy burden, that you break every band of wickedness, that you break and destroy every yoke. Understand, that's what God has designed fasting for is for us to experience freedom in our life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I only got through like two notes here. Listen to me. Somebody say fasting. Now we have pastors coming in from all over. We have pastors coming in from the northern part of Ohio. We have pastors coming in from the western part. We have pastors coming in from Indiana. We have two or three carloads coming in from North Carolina. And men in our church are fasting starting today, and they're fasting for four days. They come here to receive a breakthrough. They come here to be touched by God. And we as accommodating church give them a cot and all the free water and coffee they can drink. And they fast. And they sustain from food and they sustain from water. I'm sorry, from food only and from pleasures. Now, they come to experience a touch from God. Now, last week, we fasted on Thursday. Remember that there are people that can proclaim a fast. Leadership is one of them. So that's me. So I'm going to ask you to fast 24-hour period this week. And you can choose Monday 24 hours, 24 hours. You can do it from 3 o'clock Monday night to 3 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. Or you can get up in the morning and go to that night till whatever time you, you start in the morning. 24 hours. And we're going to fast this week for the same thing that we fasted last week that we will experience the presence of God in an uncontainable measure. Uncontainable measure. That the sinner doesn't have to be called to the altar. They will run to the altars. Where the sick will not need prayer, but the sick will be healed. Where depression can be broken, poverty can be eradicated, Unity can come forth. Healing of broken hearts can transpire 
And I believe that's possible. I believe God desires to inhabit the praises of his people, but let's just break every shred of unbelief that would keep us from expecting God to show up. To show up. And so you get to choose what day you're going to fast. But this is a week of fasting, and we're going to fast one day. You visitors that are here, I'm sorry. You have fell under the canopy of authority. Now, who will fast with me Monday? Good deal. Who will fast with me Tuesday? Good deal. Good deal. Who will fast with me Wednesday? Who will fast with me Thursday? All righty. Who will fast with me Friday? Okay. How about Saturday? <laughs> All right. Who will fast with me on Sunday? I'm fasting to have breakthroughs for you. I'm fasting to have breakthroughs for my community, for the body of Christ. I just believe that God can accompany people where people experience God in our life without us even speaking a word. My desire is that I can walk through an airport and sick people be healed when I walk by. That, that's my desire. I believe that I can just preach the word. I gave, I gave it a try in the Philippines. I just, all I did was preach. I didn't pray for people. I just said, now, you've been healed. Come up here. The blind, the halt, all kinds of people came up. I'm just believing that if I just say, Father, go ahead and heal them, that they can be healed. He, he never said no to Jesus, and I don't believe that he, he will say no to me neither. And he won't say no to you. God will draw people to you. But let's fast this week for the presence of God to come into this place like no other. I want more of God than I've ever had. Amen? Blind eyes are not enough. The cripple is not enough. I want Jesus to be seen in a nation and in a world. That can happen. Amen? Maybe through you. I don't care who it happens through, but I want it to happen. Amen? All right, raise your hands up towards heaven, Father. In the name of Jesus, God, I believe, and I know these people do too. God, we believe in miracles. We believe, God, in signs and wonders. We believe, God, in visitation. We believe, God, in your voice being clear without reservation. God, we desire far more than we have. And God... We just want to abandon ourselves that you can have access to every place in our life. God, let an intimacy abound that, God, you will unveil the secrets of the kingdom, that truth will not be hid, but truth will be imparted, that, God, liberty and freedom, God, will abound in the kingdom. Make our hands the hands of Jesus. 
Make our voices the voice of power. Make them the voice of grace. Make them the voice of healing. God, visit us. Visit us, God. Put a hunger and a thirsting in our life to say without, without, without question, we will not surrender till we obtain. We will not surrender till we have access, and access has been given to power and the Holy Ghost. God, use your people. Raise us up an army for this end time. God, let us use the weapons of our warfare to violently lay hold of the kingdom.